0: Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, Growing in Faith and Friendship.
1: The Bible reading is from Luke chapter 10 and verses 25 to 37. On one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. Of the robbers. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise.
0: This might be a very familiar passage, or this might be new to you, but either way, it is a pretty challenging story, Jesus tells. But before we look at this story, this parable, this pointed story, let's meet the people. Firstly, an expert in the law comes to speak to Jesus. Now, this sounds like a lawyer to us, but it's more like a theologian, someone trained in the religious law of Moses. And most commentators agree this is almost certainly a Pharisee. More on that later. Well, he gets up. To test Jesus. The whole getting up bit might sound a bit strange to us, but in the Middle Eastern culture, getting up was quite normal. A teacher would sit and a student would get up to recite as a mark of respect. However, Luke makes it quite clear that although this looks like respect, this is actually a test. He's an expert in the religious law, He's heard about the heretical views of Jesus, and he has decided to test this supposed rabbi to ask, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Essentially, how can I make sure that when I meet God, uh, he'll accept, he'll justify me? We often see people coming to Jesus to ask about eternal life, but rather than asking, because he wants to know God, he's asking to trap Jesus. There are two things that seem a bit off about this. Firstly, how can we inherit anything? Isn't the whole point of inheritance that it is a gift? It's a gift from somebody when they die. It's not something we can gain, something we can demand. And surely this says something about his attitude just there. But he's hoping that Jesus will say something heretical, something really trivial. He can take it out of context like some bad tabloid newspaper to turn it into a soundbite that Jesus is spouting things contrary to the law. We can imagine getting so ready, feeling so ready to take this guy Jesus down a peg or two. But secondly, the question itself what must I do? Notice he doesn't ask how he can obey God. What can I do to be right with God? But he asks about inheritance, getting something. Shouldn't the question be, how can I live? What can I do? But it's must. He feels obliged. He wants a nice definition. We all like an easy life to know exactly what I have to do to get it right. But as so often happens in the Bible, Jesus instead asks a question back in order to assess this expert's understanding of the law. What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? And this man replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind. And love your neighbour as yourself. Perfect. He's got it. Jesus accepts this is correct. Simple. Do that. Easy. Perhaps not. Can anyone meet that standard? It's a big challenge, surely. Surely the expert would go away humbled, thinking about working on doing that. All your heart all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor. But the expert was simply not happy. This was not the encounter he hoped for. He wanted his soundbite, he wanted to be able to make something of this encounter to justify himself and his expertise. So he carries on, even though Jesus has allowed him to answer his own question. And who? is my neighbour. Now we can imagine Jesus here. He's often being got at by the religious folk of the day, who did not like him at all. Jesus' ministry was frustrating, embarrassing, insulting. He was going around saying that nobodies should be accepted, that the poor were important, that the do's and the don'ts of Jewish law and cleanliness needn't apply. Seriously, somebody needed to put him in his place, and the expert was going to do it, it was going to make him stumble. We can understand the expert's frustration. We all follow the rules. Why? Why shouldn't he? But again, if we skim over this, we miss an important point about this expert, this Pharisee. Just like inheritance, where he missed the point, likewise, his question could be rephrased, what must I do? Who is my neighbor? It could be, how little can I do? Where can I draw the line? Now, this is like Christmas cards. We wonder every year, who do I need to send cards to? Can I send them just to the people I haven't seen all year? Do I need to give them to workmates, schoolmates, my teachers, friends? Where's the line? We all want to just know what we need to do. I'll just do that number, then I'm done. That's all I'll do. Oh dear. Or like me, you simply don't do Christmas cards at all. That's my line. But this is simply a list mentality. This is the problem that the Pharisee fails to see about himself, his attitude. What must I do? What's the least I can get away with? Where can I draw the line? Who is in, who is out? Now, the Pharisee wants a nice list. Who is my neighbor? He would assume it would include all the people who are just like him, fellow Pharisees, other Jews, but everyone else, not a neighbor. This is because in Leviticus 19.18, it says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself, I am the Lord your God. Now, by this definition, which the expert would know well, this means your neighbor would be the sons of your own people. That's easy. People who are like me, they like cricket. They like bad pop music. They dance around the house with their children at inopportune moments. They really do not like things other than, they don't like late night music. They don't like music by a pool on holiday. No, no. They're like me, simple. The expert wants Jesus to use this well known passage to say, It's people just like you. But this, taken out of context of the whole passage, is inaccurate. The same passage ends with, The stranger who sojourns with you shall be to you as the native among you. You shall love him as yourself, for you were a stranger in the land of Egypt. The Jews were immigrants, strangers want, so don't cast out strangers. And Jesus tells the story. Set on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, this road was not safe. This lone traveler is an easy target going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest, a temple official come by, and it would be the tradition in these type of stories, the third character would be an ordinary Jew just passing by who saves the day. So the expert listening would recognize the first two characters. The priest. The priest would be a Sadducee. I said earlier on that Pharisees and Sadducees did not see eye to eye. The priest would be traveling 17 miles from Jerusalem to Jericho to be at the temple. So he'd go to work in Jerusalem, travel the 17 miles, and do a two-week assignment at the temple, and then go home. Priests were wealthy. Priestliness was passed on in a hereditary line, and listeners at the time would be expecting him to be riding with servants and attendants. He's got a horse. He sees a guy at the side of the road. He looks dead. If a priest touched a person and they died, he'd have to go to the temple and do purification rites for a week. He wouldn't be able to accept gift offerings his whole family and himself would have to go through purification and cleansing rituals. And this half-dead guy might be Egyptian, Greek, Phoenician, or Syrian. And that would mean he would have no obligation to help anyway. We can see his dilemma. He wants to be on his way. He doesn't want to go to the temple and do all these ceremonies. And the other thing is, if he touched the man and then the man died, he would actually have to destroy his incredibly expensive priestly robes. If he helped and then quietly didn't do the purification ceremony, the other priests were obliged to club him to death. We can sort of all see his situation. Just pass by. He's probably a foreigner. Served him right trying to make the journey. Now, I mentioned earlier, the expert listening was a Pharisee. So the Pharisee would be thinking, typical, those priests. Huh, the next guy will do the right thing. Along comes a Levite, a temple assistant. Commentators suggest that he saw the priest's train Perhaps he was an assistant for him, and he wouldn't go against what the guy in front has done. No, 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 he doesn't want to defile himself. He knows the law just as much as the priest. He's under the same law. He, he doesn't want to dirty himself, to defile himself. It's nobody. And he passes by. The expert listening to the story would feel a bit smug, but he would understand he would understand why these two religious folk passed right on by. To be honest, all the ritual cleansing and washing would be enough to put anyone off unless they were sure that they were worth it. It's not someone we know. Different. Not worthy. Not my neighbor. Then comes the bit that would shock the audience. The third character isn't an ordinary Jew, it isn't the hero of the story we'd expect it explodes the expectations of the listeners. It is someone hated. We miss the importance of this Samaritan because we have a helpline for Samaritans based upon this story. But for Jesus' listeners, they would have been gut-wrenchingly horrified. Samaritans were half-breeds. They were outsiders. They were despised, foreign, not one of us The closest we can get is a British person who went to fight for ISIS against British forces. A traitor. And it was shocking. The listeners, the expert, the Pharisee would have been disgusted. A Samaritan. Jesus makes that guy the hero of the story this traitor is moved by compassion he administers first aid he binds the wounds they would have been deep cut to bind the wound first then he applies the medication and lets it seep through the bandage this is costly He uses all his resources, oil, wine, cloth, wrapping. He lets the man ride on his animal. He uses time, energy, and money. But also, he risks his life. The listeners would be absolutely horrified. But they would also assume that this Samaritan, this traitor, would just take the Jew to the edge of Jericho, dump him quickly, and get away. He risks his life. A traitor rides into Abergavenny with a half-dead guy on the back of his donkey. He'd be lynched. Vengeance was strong in Middle Eastern culture. He'd be killed for even going into Jericho. He risks his life. We would totally understand if he just did the good deed, dumped him, and left. But he stays with him. He cares for him. And then he makes an extraordinary effort to make sure this guy is looked after. The next day he took out two denarii. This would cover food and lodging for a week or two. He will check that his wishes are carried out when he says, when I return. And Jesus asks the question, not who is your neighbor, but which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. Who is neighbour to the person in need? Who would be your neighbour if you were in need? It would be the traitor, the hated person, the Samaritan, and the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So when we want to know who our neighbor is, we need to ask the question from the perspective of the victim. From the perspective of the victim, there is no limit to your neighbor. Last year, around November time, I was just feeling like I was getting back on track after having the craziness of Hannah. And for a few months, I had not felt like being hospitable. I hadn't really got myself sorted, I hadn't been cooking properly, but finally Hannah was sleeping through the night and I'd been given some lovely beef by my mum and I decided I was going to do a roast. I'd got it all ready, I'd prepared the veg, we were all going to have a lovely evening together as a family. Then Mike got a phone call. And we get them periodically with people needing uh, support or help and often asking for financial help. It was a couple who were in Abergavenny, Who had nowhere to live. They had fallen on hard times and they were on their way to a council property near Ross-on-Wye. They wanted money and help and I did not want to help. It was a Friday. Now Friday and Saturday is our evening together and then Saturday is our family day and it is the one day when I know we will have an evening and then the whole next day together. The last thing I wanted to do was to go out in the dark and the cold and meet some people at church with our two kids in tow. I was honest. I texted Nikki and another couple of people from church, and I, was, I told them that I, I did not want to do this. They'd managed to find a B&B in town, and they had nowhere to go for the day. So in spite of my feelings, we came. And in spite of my feelings... I was moved. We chatted, and in the course of chatting to them in the car park, we offered to have them for the roast. We didn't, they didn't actually accept coming to our house, so we said we would take it to the B&B. I phoned a friend who's the proprietor of the King's Arms in town and we arranged that for the next day we would buy them a meal and she offered to buy them a second meal, so we did one each. And that meant they could go to the King's Arms and stay there for the whole day because they couldn't go to the B&B. I had not wanted to help. On some level, I thought that they must have brought it upon themselves. That I was important. I had rights to my time that they should look after themselves. I look after myself. I get on with it. I wanted to pass by. But in so many moments, I am moved. And it is against my very self. And that is Christ in me. And that is God in me. I, so often supported by Mike, get over my own selfishness and my own judgmentalism. And I had compassion I hugged them, and they hadn't washed. I didn't know them. And I invited them into my home with my babies. And that night, we took a roast to them in the car. We didn't know if we'd get the plates or the cutlery back, but we took it. And I knew that I had been the priest. I had been the Levite. I had walked that road, and I wanted to just pass on by. And there are a few things about this parable which I really think make this one of the most important passages of our faith. Do we have a list mentality? Do we like people who are are just like us? Their children behave as my children would? Check. Do they dress like I do? Check. Do they have the same religion as me? Check. Are they bad people or good people, check. We like simple lists of who to like, who to not. If that's the case, we are in the wrong place right now. Because a church, and I mean a body of people, I don't mean the building, I mean a body of people, should be a group where this is not okay. Luke makes it quite clear that Jesus does not accept this way of living. What must I do? Who is in? Who's out? That's not enough. Do we have compassion? Experience would tell us it is not easy to like people who are very hard to love without God's help. It's very hard for me to love people who play music around the pool Or play music late at night so I can hear. It is very hard for me to love the homeless, the addicts. Even people who don't act like me have the same religion as me. They are different. Our newspapers often tell us that people are bad or good. They're bad through and through. They tell us things are simple. I like people like me. And the experts, the Pharisee, just misses the point. Yes, you can know the phrases, but do you practice using your knowledge of the Bible? Do we even know and live Jesus' teaching? Do we practice unqualified love? For our neighbor, not the ones who live in the nice houses on my street. The expert doesn't even realize this loving God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength is a serious challenge. This will give us God's heart. And isn't being filled with God's love a Christian A Christ follower, about filling us with God's motivation for people in our class, in our friendship groups, in our families, but also the nobodies, God's heart. Another thing about this story racism is not okay, hatred of others is not acceptable. This would be so shocking, so hard for the listeners of that time. If you're a Jew, you're in. If you're not, you're out. It is equally shocking now. If you judge, you are judged. If you do not love, you are not showing Jesus. And we need, I need, for this to be continually revealed to us, to me. I need to continue to ask to not be judgmental because I am to love. This traitor, this Samaritan was the one who did the good deed. The theologian Tom Wright asks a really apt question. Will we use this God-given revelation of Jesus' love to boost our own sense of isolated security and purity? Will we accept the challenge and extend love and grace to all? No church, no Christian can be content with easy definitions that allow us to be the bystanders. We cannot watch while half of the world lies half dead at the side of the road and tell ourselves it's too late for them so we pass by we need to become a neighbor of the nobodies in our schools in our friendship groups in our homes in our families with the people we don't like in the street. In prayer, in acts, in giving, in time, in thought. To be a Christian, to be a church, we need to become a neighbor of the nobodies. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I am so sorry for the times when I judge I do not have compassion for the times I am not living like Christ. And that is so often, God. Father, would you give us your heart? We know we are the expert in the law. We are the Pharisee. We are the priest. We are the Levite. We watch others. We pass by. God, would we take up that challenge being a neighbour to the nobody, the nobody. Father, can we love you with all of our heart, our soul, our strength, our mind, and help us to love our neighbour as ourself. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.